This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Grassroots Marketing. This is gonna be a very a, a very poignant conversation we're gonna have today. Now I, th- this program is normally not one that uh, talks all about advocacy. Obviously, we have great programs that have really been that. Our Hemp Present program is one of the most leading sources when it comes to cannabis ag- advocacy. But this is one of those things where, leading up to 420, um, an important announcement was being made by the folks of uh, House of Wise. And what they did was they launched a Just for All campaign in conjunction with the Last Prisoner Project promoting a petition to urge the Biden administration to create an independent presidential cannabis clemency board to expedite the release of 40, over 40,000 people sitting in jail for something that is illegal in 37 states. And with this story, there are many people out there, but there's a particular story we've been presenting here on Cannabis Radio, and I didn't want this to go ahead and be passed because every story is important, but this is, is really a critical example of the need for a clemency board as being proposed here uh, by both organizations. So I'm here with two constituents and House Last of Last Prisoner Project constituents and House of Wise Creative Partners who are able to share their firsthand account on how in, unjust cannabis convictions have can have deep ripple effects on families. I'm here with. Sean and Ebony Worsley, thank you both for being on with us. Absolutely. Thank you so yes. very much for having us. Yes. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for making time. So, you know, I can't even tell you just, you know, apologies and just the thoughts of what you had to go through. Well, there's not even words you can even express. I don't expect anybody in our listenership can even express, you know, standing up and being brave and, you know, speaking up on this after what happened, a traumatic experience. Now, first of all, Sean, you earned a Purple Heart for your service in Iraq, disabling roadside bombs, an IED knocked you unconscious, suffered a traumatic brain injury, diagnosed with PTSD. And yes, sir. At the same time, uh, you were using a prescription for medical marijuana to help treat insomnia, paranoia, and night terrors as a result of that PTSD diagnosis. 2016, you were both arrested on cannabis charges in Alabama on a, a road trip to visit extended family. Six years later, you've gone through probation, incarceration, homelessness, health issues, and being separated, Sean, from your children. So, you know, I, I don't have the time. I, I, don't, I wish I had the time to go and just let you go and just tell your story. And I'm sure people have had the chance to hear it. But really, take us to full present day. And what it is about this project and this clemency program that's being proposed and how important is it that others don't have to suffer the same travesty that you and you and both of you had suffered? Yes. Well, I think I, I think it's very important um, for people to be made aware of the things that go on in our society that, you know, most people that if they're not, 
affected by it personally, they would have no idea. Um, and it's and basically our our story has become a case study in our country's inconsistency, um, state by state merit, state by state marijuana laws, and how they can catastrophically have con- consequences on um, cannabis users. Now, uh, not too long ago, I actually just spoke with an attorney based in New York State. Talking about the issues when it comes to even while we have legalization in play, there are still some proposals being said about for those that consume cannabis now and regardless of what state you're in, that there is still the thought of being under the influence of cannabis and the same vein as being under the influence of alcohol or tobacco. And the idea of not having the right way to go ahead and and realize that there's still going to be points where in even though we can have cannabis being sold for business purposes, you know, people can have, you know, can grow or dispense and have a store and you can buy it, but there's still things that still parameters being put in place and not real transparency altogether. See, the problem is I just feel this cloud when it comes to where you are able to go ahead and consume, but then it's a matter of at any time you can always be subjected to some kind of, being penalized or being prosecuted or being incarcerated for all this still, even though it is a legal substance now. I mean, cannabis is in 37 states, 15 adult use. But unfortunately, we have to rely on the federal government to give us leeway and to also give us some kind of help in terms of trying to correct the wrongs of those that have been wrongly imprisoned, wrongly incarcerated, oppressed and taking the point that we need to go and correct this here with this clemency idea plus stop from other people from following the same fate i mean that's the one thing that's unfortunate is that you said you're one among a 40,000 people that are in the same case talk to me about your frustrations you have where we haven't gotten any farther where people like yourself you know upstanding citizens can still get caught up in this. Yes. Um, so I definitely want to bring awareness and education to to the cannabis industry and just the use and the holistic uses of it, because, yes, it is legal. Um, but I really feel like it needs to be a lot more education behind behind cannabis. I think there's a lot of gray area when it comes to cannabis and how it affects individuals on a case-by-case basis. You know, everybody is not the same. Cannabis does not affect everybody the same. Um, So I just really feel like a lot of education needs to be brought to the, the cannabis industry just to, to shine light on the effects, the, the benefits, and then some of the cons, I, I guess you could say in when using cannabis. Um, yeah, and Bay, would you have any Ebony, would you have anything to add to that? Yeah, just the fact that people, I mean, the propaganda around cannabis, like you said, is being compared to alcohol because it does have a quote unquote intoxicant, if you will, um, effect on a person. But it's just like with your medication that you're prescribed. Mm-hmm. If you're not given information or education about about how it could affect you and given um directives of how to use it, anything that you use improperly can be can be harmful for you. And so there's so many benefits of cannabis. So even those who are incarcerated, we understand 
that because the laws are what they are, um, people are sitting in prison right now while there's a multi-billion dollar industry that's booming in the very same space that they were arrested for. Granted, they may have not taken all the legal routes to do this legally, which I see is the biggest issue, but without the education, um, without the education of the benefits or the harms and how to properly use cannabis. I think that is the biggest issue that we're having. And once there's education around that, then we're hoping that federal, aside from the clemency pleas and the different bills that were won in the past, once there's more education around it, we're hoping that the federal laws will actually change. And at some point it can become a part of a a medicinal um, route that people are able to take it through and even use insurance for it because it is holistic. There are holistic benefits. And so, that's, just, that's our biggest thing about it. That's the biggest takeaway that we've experienced. It was holistic for us. I'm sure it's holistic for a lot of other individuals and those who are using it or distributing it without it being a legal law. Once those changes, we feel like the same way dispensaries are able to sell it, the same way distributors are able to sell it and produce it for the masses, it would be, no, it'd be the same across the board. You know, and it's just, it's almost ironic. It would be Alabama. It would be a place where, this would have happened. Ten grams possessed. That was it. Not that much. Mm-hmm. And even though the drop, the charges were dropped on you, Ebony, Sean accepted the plea agreement because I can imagine what was being put over your head if you didn't take a plea because, you know, it's throwing the book. And it's so wrong on so many levels. But five years of probation, serving in Arizona, drug treatment program, and among the fi- fines, fees, and court costs, not to mention the legal services rendered, and all that was taken from this, it was such so unnecessary. And I don't even know what the uh, the, the legalization effort is in Alabama right now. We don't talk much about it because I'm sure there probably isn't uh, in a state like Alabama. Um, um. Go ahead. <clears throat> There's been some change. There's actually been some change. Um, aside yes. from Alabama Appleseed, who was headed, who's headed by um, Carla Crowder and Leah Nelson, who's and there's a whole team of them individuals who've done amazing work. Um, yes. Neil Rafferty is a state representative there, and he actually argued Sean's situation on the floor, the House floor. And so there has been a change in the laws where there is now legal medicinal cannabis in Alabama behind yes. all of this uproar about it. Um, it is still very watered down. It's in this very emphasis states. However, the fact that they've taken some initiative to finally see that, okay, there's something here. And the way we addressed and handled this this plant and people who are in possession of it or use it, um, mm-hmm. we can take another look at it. So we're happy about that, that mm-hmm. out of this crazy situation that at least in nothing else, that there is now legal medication or legal cannabis yeah. in Alabama. They still have yeah. a long way to go, but the fact that they're getting on board, yeah. it, it makes it even more worth it. And and once again, all that that change came from once again awareness and education about the situation, about cannabis, about its its benefits, about its medicinal and purposes its and its harms. Um and that's I feel like making educating individuals on those things um, is what led to the change in Alabama. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's going to bring further change. This is where the pressure on the government, the federal government, because in in the same sense where we have now, and I'm, I am trying not to be political here and I don't want to be political on the show. 
right? Keep it yeah, political. Yeah. It's up to the guests if they want to have their piece. I'm more than happy to welcome that. But it's the same idea where if federal legalization comes into play, we can get to decriminalization. We can get to descheduling the drug. I mean, it's really funny. And I'm, I mean, I'm not even saying it funny, but the fact that we're hearing about, you know, laws that can be changed around after 50 years. We're hearing in, in news right now as we record today, which I'm not going to discuss. I'm just saying to myself that, you know, it's, we have to depend on a flawed system of government to help out with this. And, you know, for the fact that it's been great that you have organizations like the Alabama Appleseed and now Last Prisoner Project to be able to go ahead and help your help from being incarcerated and help you work your way to transition back to, you know, a, a life where you're not under the system and you're not dealing with that anymore. Talk to me about the importance of Last Prisoner Project and what they've been able to go and do to help you pick yourselves back up and, and get life back on track again. Oh, wow. Man. Um, it's almost, it, man, along, so many people have been very influential in helping us get back situated and get back on our feet. Um, <clears throat> but I definitely want to, you know, when it comes to Last Prisoners Project, they have been played a phenomenal part in, you know, the drug policy reform, getting um, freeing prisoners incarcerated for cannabis and helping the formerly incarcerated transition back, um, which is my case. Um, and in, in part, they've, they've helped us get mental health treatment for ourselves, our, our, our 15 year old daughter, Yasmin, who um, has recently come to live with us. So, man, I just, yeah, Ebony. Um, Organizations like Last Prisoners Project is is essential when it mm -hmm. comes to the cannabis space. And not just yeah. the cannabis space, but legalization, criminal reform, policy reform, drug policy reform, and helping individuals just redirect their lives. Because one, they're, taking, they're choosing to take a stand in a very saturated market or place, right? But then also addressing the political side of it because there is a political side but one thing i love about what they're doing is they realize that okay once you're out of prison and once you're no longer on probation how have you been impacted and they've recognized the impact where there is a lot of mental health um barriers that come into play from being incarcerated from being separated from your family we have two two children that i inherited when i married sean they were five and six they're now 15 and 16 we hadn't seen them for six years um, our son a little bit longer, but we hadn't seen our daughter for six years. So during that time, it's created such a rift in a family where she felt abandoned by us. She felt discarded and that she wasn't important enough to be present for us to be present. And that wasn't the case. Sean had a stroke after coming home from um, jail before he even went to prison. So we were still dealing with that. I had a heart attack in jail. So we were still dealing with heart issues, which led to open heart surgery. We weren't allowed to leave the state. And having to be mindful of, we co-parent. And so her parent didn't feel, her mom didn't feel it was in her best interest to kind of really know everything that was happening because of, she was in such a very delicate state. So now we're picking up the pieces. We're trying to just rebuild a relationship where there's a lot of trauma that was impacted when your parent is just taken from you and you lose contact. It does a lot to a child's self-image, their self-esteem, the way they trust individuals how they feel um, protected and cared for. So just in that respect alone, it's taken us 
we're already still over a year, almost two years now, and we're still in therapy. We're still picking up the pieces. We're still building a relationship with her and getting to know her. So aside from the finances, Last Prisons Project has financially made it very possible to be able to to get treatment for ourselves, to get moved and to get situated to the best of our ability. But then even with connecting us with others in a space to be able to amplify our story, just to share the awareness, because it's so much more damage that happens than just going to prison, than losing your credit, than losing your housing and jobs and having a difficult time now to be able to get proper employment or to be able to go even go back to school. We had a business that we were running before all of this happened. And so it's, just, it's so many other things that come into play that affect an individual once they've been incarcerated. And I love that Last Prisoners Project is always trying to find new ways and partnerships to be able to not just raise awareness and raise funds, but also find new resources that could actually help their realizing they need more than money. They need more than therapy. Um, these individuals really have to heal and repair their lives. And how can we help them? And for um, Last Prisons Project and then House of Wise, for them to partner with them too, is so awesome because even with House of Wise, the products that they make are to help help individuals too and so when they found out about what was going on they were just like we have to do something we have to make sure people know the true impacts of incarceration is more so after they come home than even just being arrested but how do we change all of it so i love that education law enforcement needs to be have educated yes this is i mean so when i look at the story and i say to myself okay you complied. Listen, okay, it was a, it was a stop, and they see your decal for cannabis dispensary for veterans. You have a medical ID. You get a medical medical marijuana card, your cannabis card, your license, full compliance. Not even a fine or a misdemeanor, which you know, okay, but to just go that extreme, man. I mean, <sighs> infuriating. It just uh, well, it's got to stop. This can't be. This, this is just not can't be happening anymore. This can't be happening anymore, which is why you know it's never gonna. You're never the response on the local, state, regional level will not have the effect that it needs to have, like it will federal. If the Biden yes. administration is able to be receptive and follow along with this campaign, just for all. And read this petition and say, listen, you need to do something about this. You know, $40 million spent in lobbying to get the MORE Act done just for it to go ahead and fizzle out in the United States Senate. Mm -hmm. And to know what that would have done. It's sure the financial issues, but, you know, it's the social equity aspect of this, too. And knowing that states like Alabama should fall all the times. Listen, the majority of other states have already followed suit. States, because some of them like Florida, you know, have already gone this route, you know, and just to say, there's something we said about where this is the, when, when it's being said about how cannabis clemency should be vital, vital and criminal justice reform, it should be imperative. It's a, it's a top priority. It's not that hard to fix. Now, has there been any response in the last two weeks? any kind of response at all from the federal government or, or just from the presidential administration that have re- at least responded in some way to this petition? That we currently know of, for the most part, I mean, 
there's been some obviously some acknowledgement of certain things, but it doesn't seem like there's a, a true response to the overall issue when it comes to cannabis and the legalization or decriminalization of cannabis. Like you said, just even the more act for it to, to go through all of what, it, you know, what was put behind it just to ensure that it's it's taken, given the eyes glance or taken seriously and to have it fizzled out. It kind of really speaks to where our nation is when it comes to the way the system is set up. Um, I mean, I can give my personal opinion about why I feel like the government is truly not, you know, responding the way that we would hope for when it comes to this. But I think, again, it goes back to what Sean was saying. There absolutely has to be more education. And even those who are in position to make laws, if they have a better understanding of what cannabis is and how it's beneficial and even how to circum circumvent any cons that we may have, just like any other pharmaceutical uh, medications. Yeah. I think they would have no other choice but to see it for what it is and remove the criminalization behind it, but then also go a step further and put in play, you know, mental health treatments and things like that where people can actually use it properly. Um, you know, one of the yeah. stories I, I got to tell you, I had an interview, like I said, with an attorney from New York and one of even the other ideas I even thought about, which I would love to put this into the same context here is that for those that might have distributed or, held at possession as well when you're looking in new york state and they're offering social equity license cannabis license for those small business owners and knowing that they some as requirement in part having a family member or themselves having been convicted of a cannabis related offense and knowing that if there was a chance for those to get rid of the illicit market okay for those mm -hmm. that if there's illegal substances out there illegal cannabis being cured uh, being grown Okay, then the illicit market, take those people that have done a good job in the illicit market that mm -hmm. were around before cannabis got legalized. People mm -hmm. were buying their cannabis for somebody, and if they were doing the right thing, and listen, people were using it for what they wanted to use, put a tribunal in front, offer amnesty, and let yeah. them, in the same vein as those that are being incarcerated for, for, for possession, the same thing applies for those that distributed or sold it. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. But absolutely. And so it's funny I hear this twice a day where it's like, yeah, let's put a board together and then get through a process so we can see that you know the people we're gonna bring back on board, like this is redemption. You know, and I mean I don't expect retribution, we know that. It's just a matter of let's fix the problem going forward. I mean, there's exactly. not much that can be done now trying to fix the past and re reparate what happened. It's not gonna happen. Right. Yep. not going to do that. All you can do is fix what's broken and get it yep. on the right track going forward, so that good people like you never have to go through this again. Yeah. yeah so, so anybody doesn't have to go through this again. I mean, it's I. I just don't feel that it's right, and like I like I said, it's it's like you said, it's it's not to harp on the past or to you know beat anybody down about the past. Let's just learn from our past mistakes and do better moving forward all across the board. Now, when you were also with that police officer, did he, so he, did he know that you were a veteran, that you were a veteran? Did he know that you served in the military? Yes, sir. He Amazing. Did. Amazing. What disrespect. Now with this as well, obviously there were a lot of, a lot of complications because you were off the regimen of cannabis you were using to treat your PTSD. I can only imagine, along with the stroke and the heart issues that you held, suffered with while incarcerated, while you were there, uh, 
talk to me what were your progress now and what treatment you're uh, what if you've been able to get back on the treatment and where how are you feeling today um i am well i am getting back into treatment it's it's a process um especially when you're talking about the va um but i am feeling better um i'm i'm using cannabis um but I'm using it at, um, I guess, moderately and also you doing physical therapy and things like that to better help my body and better help my pain and find other ways to kind of offset my use of cannabis um, to where I'm not overusing it or over medicating or solely dependent on cannabis. Um, but yes, most definitely. I, I I feel much better than than a year, two years ago. Yes, that's great. I, again, I'm so sorry to hear about all this story. This was extremely unfortunate. I'm glad you you have such you, you were strong headed here, and you're able to go ahead and pull, push forward. And that this being able to stand behind this this campaign 100 percent support. That you know, if it's not it's somebody in Washington DC has to has to pay attention here and realize how many lives are being affected here by archaic you know antiquated laws mm-hmm. when we are progressing as a nation and realizing that cannabis has so many benefits and for medicinal purposes there's enough research out there and for those for things like this to happen should never should never in any case Sean mm-hmm. Ebony Worsley, really appreciate you being on with us again. Now, if you haven't had a chance to support the Last Prisoner Project, by all means, lastprisonerproject.org, lastprisonerproject.org, and also House of Wise. You can look at their blog and you can hear, you can read the story for yourself of Sean Ebony's story, houseofwise.co. Sean and Ebony, so nice to talk to you. I wish it was under better circumstances, but I'm glad where, where you are now. And I really hope for the best, and I really hope that DC will respond. I, you know what? We appreciate you having us on. Yes, you know we, we appreciate it. We understand the circumstances, but again, with if more individuals in the cannabis space, like House of Wise and Last Prisoner Projects, would step forward and amplify more situations and education and um, information behind cannabis, opposed to just the recreational aspect, I think this, I think society will take it a little bit more seriously and have a different perspective and will be behind us pushing law, lawmakers to make these changes, um, to change the way that the laws are, to change the way that people are impacted by them, families are impacted by them, certain communities are, you know, unjustly impacted by them, then they have no other choice but to hear us. And I feel like change would actually come in the federal space as well. Thank you for your both, both of you for your time. God bless you and your family. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Have a great one. Have a great Thanks one. for having us. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.